This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia, The Labor Show. With Jay Doc and Krause. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. This is a special edition of The Labor Show with Jay Doc, Krause, and John Doherty. And this is the John Doherty Hour, hour number two of the Labor Show with Jay Doc and Krause as we come to you live on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's the All-Star Labor Classic weekend around the Delaware Valley, and it was a great uh, opportunity for us, Jay Doc, in the opening hour uh, to be able to set the stage uh, for what will be a spectacular, spectacular game, two games rather, uh, being played uh, tomorrow. Let's bring John Doherty into his hour. We'll introduce the host of the hour, John Doherty, uh, joining us. Doc, uh, a welcome in, man, on a Saturday night. Jay Doc, Krause, how we doing, guys? Well, we're doing great. Did you get a chance to, to, to hear your predecessor? Uh, we, had, we had a party going on here re- between him and Wayne Miller for a while, um, it, we, it was, but it was all about the labor classic, and, and we know how important that is to you, John. Well, I'm glad you got a chance to talk about people like Pat Gillespie. There were many a year, okay, where people thought about not doing it. And uh, I guess, Pat, I didn't hear the whole hour, but I did, uh, you know, the first year we wound up playing the Eagles at the Palestra. Now, what's better than playing the Philadelphia Eagles traveling charity basketball team at the Palestra? You know, they're the mecca of college sports. You know, it was just amazing even for us. But we made it. No money. You pay for the event. You pay, you know, I mean, despite, you know, as charitable as they are, some of them teams, they require a little, you know, contribution to show up and play. I mean, it just wasn't a revenue, uh, you know, star event. So what happened is there was a lot of years where people were saying, hey, look, it's easier if we just all threw, you know, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 a union up, you know, and hand people a $100,000 check. So, you know, Pat just consistently stayed on top of us, like he did on a ton of issues. Most people don't understand. Pat Gillespie was years ahead of his time. You know, and people would say, okay, he's an old school labor leader. Let let me tell you, ask some of the people like John Street, you know, and and you take a look at people who were in positions of power. Wilson Good, I'll tell you. You know, there are two pieces of business that Pat Gillespie will never get enough credit for. One will be taking the height of buildings over Billy Penn which created a whole different environment. That's just, that's a tax base. That's a whole new culture. You know, we wouldn't have anything if Pat wasn't at the forefront of that. And that was during the early Wilson Good, you know, uh, Mr. Rouse uh, ever. And then the other thing was the Philadelphia Convention Center. Now, that thing was dead on at least four or five times. And a guy by the name of Fred DeBona, 
who went on to become, you know, a legendary healthcare executive, you know, Blue Cross, and but his his voice, you know, when he spoke, people listened about anything. And but he was great with healthcare. Uh, Fred was the head of the chamber. Pat Gillespie was the head of the Philadelphia Building Trades, and they were actually knocking on doors, pushing doors in, trying to get people, you know, to say, hey, we need to do something different here. Not only do we need construction jobs, but we need some sort of environment for the, the union movement. And that's, you know, that was the, the starter for all the hospitality industry, of course, you know. So, so Pat Gillespie, on top of that, he's a dear friend. He's a great guy. He's my mentor. But he has, uh, he has always been a step or two ahead. And he's also been really demanding. So there were a lot of years where this place was staggering. And then you, you take a look at names that, that you, uh, you don't really know, like the names like Stan Slattery from local 420. Of course, the legendary Mitch Glavin. You know, he's the, uh, he has some great sons, Deja and Tommy, but he was one of the guys that kept the sprinkler fitter industry alive in this region. You know, and then there was, he was at the forefront, you know, and it went all the way up to Wayne Miller to where they required, you know, sprinklers in buildings, you know, out of life safety issues. And uh, he, he was another guy. And, and then, uh, Whole Pop Sullivan from the Plumbers Union. Them three used to be at practice an hour before, and practice turned into an all-day event. We used to the Longcrest Recreation Center. It was a little, you know, bar across the street we used to all go to. So we used to get up there early. You know, you'd have the, the old uh, bagels and coffee, and get, you know, mingle and talk about what was happening in the industry. And all of a sudden, you'd have about a, an hour and a half practice and an hour, you know, inter-squad game. And then you, you hang around and talk a little bit more. And you guys like me, I'm a, I'm a young business manager who just happens to be playing this all-star labor classic. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is just great. You know, you hear a midge unplugged. You know, you're, right. hearing Sully talking, you're hearing Sully talking. Your dad and all them guys used to wander. And then it wasn't just them three. It would be managers and everybody would just wander in and hang around. And then we'd all go get a drink. And, you know, and a couple times it was right around Easter and, you know, and a, and a lot of us were Catholic. And, you know, it's so a Holy Saturday. We used to joke around, you know, go get a, one beer for Holy Saturday next to your, you know, your, your five more to the list. And, and somebody hollering at you when you go home, you're, you're dying eggs with one eye closed. You know what I mean? So it's uh, <laughs> so some of the stuff we back then. It just it became a way of life. And then, you know, I played in every game up until a year ago. Played in like 30-some games. You know, and I, and I can tell you the players, like Mike Missanelli. He played a couple years with us. You know, and Mike had an edge about him. It still does. And that's what makes him special. Howard Askin, that's what makes them special. Okay, you don't have to like what they say or how they say it, but I can tell you stories about Howard Askin jumping in and signing. One day, Larry Bowe was supposed to send up, uh, show up at a baseball field opening Edward O'Malley. It's a little baseball field that's probably better known for girls softball today than it is Little League Baseball. And when we did that, it was the trade along with Keating Construction put that field in. It's about a half a million dollar addition to that neighborhood based on all volunteers. Okay, so when we had the ribbon cutting, Larry Bowe was involved. But some, his daughter or somebody was in a car accident, and we got stuck. So we, we, Howard Eskin was on the radio. So somebody said, do you know him? I said, yeah, I know him not that well, but I know him well enough. I called him. I said, hey, when you finish the radio show, do you think you can come down here and autograph some baseballs? And if I'm not mistaken, it was like on 4th Street or 5th Street or someplace they were at. He came down and signed 120 baseballs. Wow. And he didn't for anybody. Listen, I'm telling you, that was 
you know, I could tell you about Phil Martelli showing up at a communion breakfast where it was pretty much all, you know, uh, building trades, craftspeople. And uh, our, our guy got sick who was supposed to speak. Martelli landed at the airport, and because it was, a, again, at that same Edward O'Malley gym, he showed up and gave maybe one of the best hour-and-a-half presentations you could ever have. And Mike Missinelli was so good during these games. You know, and you have so many guys that, you know, I, I, there's so many people that were media, you know, stars that played in this game. And, you know, all the guys, Marcus Hayes, all them guys who played for years with us. They played in the labor side, I mean, the media side. You know, most of them could play. And occasionally they'd sneak somebody in, you know, they'd sneak a, a stud in, you know, and... Uh, Did you know, Donovan McNabb he, play one year, John? Yeah, Donovan McNabb played, you know. He, let me tell you, he, he wanted to win at everything. He went for every loose basketball, you know. He made no bones about throwing an elbow, too, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, he played a little basketball, I think, at Syracuse as well. So you got D1 players in the game. And I know it was such a fun experience playing in the game and, uh, you know, in the media game and all. But, the, but, but uh, you, you know, segueing to the kids, I mean, that's a big-time game. And they're not only scholarships like Wayne Miller was talking about, but this is also a great opportunity. Uh, scouts come to these games. These kids are, um, are, are getting opportunities um, from this game that, in some cases, an exposure that they may not have had otherwise. That's how big it's getting. Yeah, well, you know, initially the growth of, you know, recruiting and AAU programs kind of hurt us because then there became uh, limitations. You could only play in certain games, you know, and, uh, you know, you look at, uh, you know, most of the Catholic League uh, All-Stars who went to Villanova and places like that and even uh, the kid from uh, Newman who went to Kentucky, they all played in the game. You know, so it's become big enough that it's, you know, some good basketball too. And, you know, a high-scoring event. But, hey, before we jump off the people, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Wayne. And I told you all them guys. And you know them games where McNabb, where we miss Gillespie, and he comes. But, he, you know, of course, it's a little different when, you know, you're popping in as a fan versus being the manager of the trades. But he used to, like, he, he'd scream and holler and Ed Keener for the plumbers and the plumber agents and, you know, Senator John Kane. All his guys would come to every game. You know, Anthony Gallagher, when he took over, he started coming. Jimmy Snell and all the guys were calling me. They're all going to be there today. There are so many good guys, okay, in the trades. But Wayne Miller now does the job of all of the guys of the past. Wayne is not only the heart and soul. You know, and, of course, we all have Pat. I think he's been around forever, and you can always count on Pat. Pat knows the history, shows up everywhere. He does a great job, too. Wayne has become the heart and soul of of that end, of that game, because everybody knows it. We joke with him. He played in the game for years. Every time there's an issue, he moves it someplace. You know, we used to we used to practice, of course, at Longcrest, and that changed up. Then we were going to Juniata, and all them things are synonymous with Wayne Miller. He opens the gyms up, he closes them, he pays for the food, he pays for anything that's not paid for. Okay, and uh, I mean, he's just it's him, his wife, and by the way, people don't understand his daughter was an unbelievable high school basketball player. I guess she played college, too, you know, and uh, she's an educator now. But the, the kid could play. Wayne could play, you know, and uh, the people around Wayne could play. So, you know, it, it was always just a good time, and it, it's still a good time. It's, look, the, the pandemic has hurt everybody. But the one thing that I said it has done 
it has shown the stamina of the building trades, but it also brought out the compassion of the building trades. Okay, the building trades are amazing when it comes to, you know, caring. I, I, we, 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 we do a terrible job, and let's blame Frank Tio for that. We do a terrible job of marketing ourselves, okay? But the one thing I said, the trades, you know, if you had to ask me what two items that were, you know, obviously, you know, present and emerged out of the pandemic, well, one, compassion, and two, leadership. And the fact that we have good leaders, strong leaders, we were able to pull this game off the mark. And it's like our own little, it's like our own little NCAA bubble. You know, we had to move it three times. We Now we're up at Ridley. You know, Roe Falcone, who coaches up there, outstanding woman's coach, outstanding individual. She's done a great job. Allison, you've heard from, you know, uh, she should be working for some big company. And uh, now I'm thinking about it. I don't know why she's not working for me. Okay, she does such a really good job. She, she fine-tunes everything. You know, the trades have been really good. You know, we got, you know, they set up, they said, okay, you really don't want people eating inside. So we got some great food. You know, we got a pizza truck and a hamburger and ribs truck and uh, ice cream truck for anybody. You know, the tough point is you can't have too many people inside, but the people who are allowed will still have the, the feeling of that event. Come outside, they'll get a bite to eat. You know, the, you know, every year I show up with, you know, a few hundred funny sweatshirts with something. This year it's got like Ben Franklin saying, oh, sorry, Labor Classic 21. And on the back it'll say Bill Jr. by American. You know, and people want them. They look for them. And they'll be there tomorrow. You know, I always had blown up heads and cut out heads. You know, it, it won't have the same effect because we don't have the crowd there. But there's, it's synonymous with the All-Star Labor Classic. And like you said, the most important part. Okay, or the kids. For years, it was cerebral palsy. MS this year. Well, we had this. We had a nice partnership with cerebral palsy for a lot of years. And when you walk in, Wayne and myself and Gillespie and Heidi, we've been doing it forever. And like I told you, the plumbers and the fitters and the laborers and Sam State and Junior and Sam State and Senior, they've always been there. You have we know the kids by name, and it was customary during the All Star Labor Classic, okay, that whoever was up. And none of the games ever got out of hand. They're, they were very good charitable games. And we could play. You know, I mean, we, 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 our guys could shoot the ball. And, of course, the media guys, you know, there was enough talent there that these games were competitive. So at the end of the game, no matter who was up, we'd let the clock run down. And we'd go pick up one of the kids from, you know, the event. You know, usually somebody who's, you know, had terrible palsy from birth. And watch them dunk the basketball to win the game with no time to go. Awesome. I, I post that picture all the time. You know, I know the kids by name. I know their parents. Wayne knows everybody. I mean, it's just amazing. And now we have a relationship with MS, as you heard, and, you know, and little by little that's going to develop. Everything doesn't happen overnight. You know, but it's just amazing. The ball's good. You know, at one time it was funny. Uh, my niece, uh, little Maureen, she was a big-time player. You know, she was an all-city player, but she played up at uh, Arcadia. She right up, I think she's like three points from being there, a full-time lead and scorer. So the kid can play. So she played on the media side, you know, and my nephew Brian, who, you know, works for us at the local, and myself all happened to be on the court at the same time, you know, for, for a couple of minutes. But it was cute, you know, I mean, little things like that. Anybody who's had, you know, anybody in the trades who had anybody in your family, you know, they either played on the one, in the All-Star game or eventually they played in our other games. 
so we had that we had that effect too you know and and joe your dad and you know and guys like that you know would come in and i i think two or three times when we were talking about this jockey you volunteered your brother to, to be the disc jockey <laughs> for the event you know and things like that yeah, but, then, John, but real quick who does the broadcasting for the for the well, event i was, was going to end with that i was going to end with that it's funny there's this good looking guy okay that wears these hats Okay. Yeah, he, can't, he, 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 put, right, he, he couldn't make himself, it, so Krause is filling in, right? <laughs> go ahead, yeah, go ahead, Joe. He puts he put himself about, I mean, even before the pandemic, he'd be up in, you know, probably center court in a location where most people don't sit, and people would come up and sit next to him and talk to him throughout the game. But Joe Krause does what Joe Krause does. He's good at making people smile. He's good at filling the void. Okay, he, he does whatever you have to do. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Whatever you needed done before, it was time to announce the game and be a marketing guru. And after the game, he was there. You know, you carry a sweatshirt out, Joe. That will help. You know, and you know, and you know, you always if you got a couple extra, you throw them in his car because Krause's coats for kids and Krause's coats now for everybody is just tremendous. And again, people don't understand what Krause does. Walking down a subway step. It's six degrees below zero, making sure people have jackets on. You know, it's sad, you know, that we even have to do that, but it's good that we have people like Krause who are very comfortable doing it. The John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. A lot of ground to cover with John uh, tonight. John, I want to give you 60 seconds um, before we go to the break. There's one gentleman who has basketball in his blood, um, and he will not be at the All-Star Labor Classic tomorrow when the game tips off at Ridley High School. Uh, Dennis W. Hill uh, will not be able to uh, attend, Um, but somehow I feel as though his presence uh, will be felt uh, when that game is played tomorrow. Yeah, real quick, Dennis is a a legend in our world because Dennis is just the old school. You don't see it. Okay, somebody came in the office the other day, and there were three or four of us hanging around, and one of the guys who works for us, his name's Bobby Thompson. He now runs, you know, coaches a travel and softball team out of South Philly that's, you know, plays with the best of them. But he was a really good high school player and played in that AAU circuit. So we were joking about some of the things, and he said, people just don't do that anymore. Yes, they do, but there are only a few of them, and Dennis Hill's one of them. Mm-hmm. Dennis Hill's one of them that knows everybody's dad. Okay, and he's been he's been banged up pretty good. He's been in and out of rehab. You know, he was home the other day. I was talking to Wade about him today. He went back to rehab. You know, we send all our prayers and our wishes to him and his wife. He's the head of the Markwood. Okay, uh, and that's one of the biggest city you know sports basketball programs around. He has the Markwood luncheons. He knows every kid. He picks our players. He mingles. You know, he's he he knows how to smooth. He's a he's a a big white guy that knows his way around every gymnasium in the city. You know, and a majority of them gymnasiums are dominated by people of color. And, and Dennis is just somebody who transcends all that, you know, and he's been just a really good guy for us and extremely close with Wayne and he was sorely missed there. And then we had people, we had a couple of people fill the blanks, you know, uh, we had uh, Mark Lynch's uncle, Kevin Lynch jumped in and he's another guy who's synonymous in these rec centers these days. He, he helped us out and, couple of the people like Wade and Allison did double the duty again. But, you know, please, you know, keep Dennis in your prayers. You could use them. And, yes, he will be in everybody's thoughts tomorrow. The John Doherty Hour. We'll take our first commercial break. Jay Doc, we'll get into a good conversation, cover a lot of ground back in a moment. 
Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by Plumbers Local 690, Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, Iron Workers Local 401, and SEIU Local 32BJ District 1201. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. It's the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, hour number two uh, of the Labor Show. Balls are jumping out of the park down at Citizens Bank Park uh, today and tonight, but unfortunately, unfortunately Jay Doc, right. yeah, not, unfortunately not, not, uh, not for the home side. Uh, we'll talk a little baseball with Doc before we get out of here, but a lot to cover. One of the things we're going to talk about later in the broadcast is the the mayor's uh, ambitious budget. Uh, But we're going to uh, start off by by, by talking about um, the upcoming segment, by talking about, John, you you, uh, wrote a letter to the editor of the Inquirer this week uh, in support of uh, uh, President Biden's American jobs plan. Talk about that, if you will. Yeah, it was basically I wrote a letter so that, you know, the critics of the proposal, both some Democrat and some Republican, you know, our guys, and you, you understand this is one of my biggest issues, okay, is explaining that, okay, that we won't be able to have a gun to go hunting, or we won't be able to have some of the issues that people get sidetracked on if we don't have a job. So, uh, you know, it's a fine line. And... Like I say, the the building trades families, you know, vote for everybody. So it's always very, it's very sensitive, and it's one of the reasons why we spend as much time, you know, explaining to people how a vote means their job and how elections have consequences. So one of the things, you know, transportation is always, always, okay, a conversation. Infrastructure. Now, the Philadelphia building trades are usually your first ally. Okay, if you look at Governor Corbett, he had like one win during his tenure, you know, that was significant. It was a infrastructure. It was a heavy highway, basically bill. And the Philadelphia building trades, along with some of our allies, we talked about it a week or so ago with Congressman Boyle. It was one of the few things that, you know, he went against the, the grain on. Okay, if you take a look at the things we had this week, we hosted with, you know, it was an infrastructure talk with Senator John Udichek, who's now an independent, he's neither Democrat or Republican, and it was about technology and energy infrastructure. So we used, there's been a lot of hard work put into that. That's about, you know, helping, as I've talked about here multiple times, that's about, on one hand, you know, uh, helping data centers and become, you know, having the Commonwealth be competitive enough so that, you know, we either a tax change or something along the lines where we can start to bring some of these large data center initiatives in town. There's a tremendous need for them, and they're really, really expensive. And they build communities as well as neighborhoods. So with all that being said, the last thing I needed was this, you know, the President Biden's infrastructure proposal to come across as if it was, you know, not an infrastructure, that it was a, you know, a social uh uh, revitalization bill, okay? And in it, you know, I said, hey, look, this American jobs plan is more than roads, bridges, highways, and so on. Even though we love building them, we put a lot of people there, okay? It was about upgrading the grids. It was about 
you know, solar power cards and, and, and the future. But it also, you know, I said, hey, there's an investment in human capital, and that's schools, daycares, senior centers, health care systems, housing, you know, just a new smart approach. And uh, you remember also Congressman Boyle said that, you know, he was hoping to have something done by 4th of July. So for me, you know, I know how much work goes there. So I just wanted to make sure that on behalf of, you know, the 50, 60,000 people who still, you know, work and live, you know, Philadelphia building trades every day. I just wanted to let them know that, hey, you know, we're in support of this. You know, and the president's people know we are. They were, they, I did receive, you know, some acknowledgement of our piece. And again, it was about saying that, hey, infrastructure in today's world is just not the bridge and the heavy highway. Right. And we've already put our money up. We've already supported, you know, taxes on gas and things like this over the history because we understand you know, it's much easier to raise, a, you know, give somebody a little tax break or raise a little tax a little bit and put thousands and thousands of people to work with decent, decent wages and decent benefits. Because, you know, the little taxes wind up on the unemployment compensations and insurances, you know, maintaining these guys that are out of work have, you know, some funding. This way we make people more self-sufficient. And that's, you know, that was the the, the main thought process behind the letter, and it was well-received. And, you know, and again, it's something that I discuss with my executive board on a weekly basis, how we need to be, you know, a little bit more louder on behalf of, you know, President Biden's infrastructure initiative. I like the, 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 the term human capital as well. Um, you know, the, the fact that it includes schools, health systems, home care, like you put child care services, housing, stock, and, and, and you know, you're right. It, you know, we're talking infrastructure, and infrastructure is not what it was 20 years ago. John, where are we getting, you know, obviously it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a bill that, uh, you know, that, you know, that is important to us. Um, where are we getting the most pushback? Well, where are we getting the most pushback? Well, of course, you get the, you know, the talk boxes, the foxes, and places like that. You get, uh, you know, some of the hardcore Republicans saying, oh, it's only 20% infrastructure. How can you call it, you know, we're giving this much money here. Now, they all do the same thing. And that's one of the reasons why I really, believe it or not, I really can't stand the political environment, especially the one we live in in the last decade. Okay? Because you fine-tune, you know, a bill to fit everybody's needs, and then you cherry-pick 90% of it. Because you need, in today's environment, you need to give everybody just a little bit to get these things passed, you know, and there's never enough votes, you know, to uh, get the 60 for anything, you know, yes. as, as you get to any Supreme Court stuff. But, you know, you mentioned I use the word human capital. I don't say union or non-union when I'm out public. I say, hey, it's a human job or non-human job. And you've heard me say it for years. Yep. And it's and because if a contractor, okay, pays his people well, has a nice apprenticeship program, okay, has some retirement programs, you know, gives them family coverage, just not individual health coverage, okay, pays them for travel, and keeps their people safe. Okay, shame on me if they're not union. But if somebody hires somebody, okay, pays them a below the wage, and doesn't give them anything that they need, and treats them just basically as a hired, you know, a day laborer, Okay, and in most cases, you know, it, it's sorry to say, it's people who just aren't 
don't understand. They don't either speak the language or they don't understand the area standards or they don't even have the tools or proper security. Remember, I, my, I was at a meeting at Temple over all the future work Temple has. And I, I won't tell you the project right now, but I stopped at a specific project on the way down. And it was a guy, not, and, and you'd appreciate this, Jay Doc. He was burning pipe. Okay? Uh-huh. So I went absolutely ballistic as the pieces of the burn pipe were bouncing off this guy's face. So when we stopped the job, we went in, we looked, and it's a pretty big job. This is six, eight, ten stories. So I went in and I said, I want to see who this guy was. We may have dropped John Doherty for there, there for just a moment. It's the Labor Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We'll take a commercial break. We'll pick it up with John right after the break. Labor Show, we got things back reconnected with John. Uh, Doc, continue with that we, uh, story. Dropped out right in the middle of it. Pick it up from there. Well, I stop on the site and I see a guy probably who really needed a job, a little bit older. He's cutting some pipe. He's burning some pipe. And the pieces are bouncing off his face. Oh, my God. They speak broken English. So I, I throw a little bit of a fit. I go into the job trailer. I, you know, there were a couple people in the job that had union relationships, and, and there were a few that did. And so I, so I go out, and I said, you know, after saying, hey, where did we hire him? Who does he work for? I want to know. I said, look, the last thing I want to do is make a big issue that's beyond it. But this guy, he's going to get burned. And, he's, and I looked at his face. He had little burns all over the top of his cheek and over the top of his head. Okay, so they said, okay, we'll handle it. We'll take care. So they put bring a welding helmet out on him. You know, some them things are heavy. Okay? Yep. So I said, I want to see a hard hat. I want goggles. And I'm going to call OSHA. You know, and do what I do. What I get paid to do. Uh, what annoys people sometimes. But uh, so I come back about two and a half hours later. And I bring a couple other trades. If I'm not mistaken, I had Wayne Miller with me. So we walk back. This is two and a half hours later. The guy's still walking around with this, you know, 100-pound hood on. He didn't know that he was supposed to take it off when he was done. I mean, if it wasn't sad, it would have been hilarious. I, but that's what I mean about the difference between non-union versus non-human. Right. And these people just treat people like they just, you know, help their bottom line at the end of the year. It, that's not what we're supposed to do. So if a guy has, as I said earlier, you know, I don't care if he's collectively signed. It's my job to get him signed. Okay? If he has all the right, you know, he teaches everybody all the things that, I don't want to say what we do because our stuff's adopted nationally. You know, but that's what, that's always frustrates me. And that's why I use the word human capital and non-human versus human. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely it's one of the things we always talk about. People, you you wonder you people just don't understand um, when 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 you're talking about. And I love the term, uh, you know, it's it's a human thing, a non-human thing. Uh, you know, when not, you say people, not a what do you, when you say people, what do you mean? The public? I just think the general public don't general understand. Public, I agree. You know what what. Um, what we're trying to accomplish, and by the way, nobody's more passionate about it. it it's 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 almost like human rights. It, it, yes, it's it's labor, but you just heard John talking about an individual who's on a job burning and 
the little pieces of pipe are falling in his face. And by the way, there used to be a saying on, on, on somebody's non-union job, you're, you're fired, you know, safety's a big deal. Nobody knows that better than John Doherty. He set the standards in the industry. Okay, there's people walking around today upright and, and, and you know, because they, you know, they have safety standards and safety belts. And when they fell, their harness caught them. Thank God. Having said that, um, there are there are some non-union jobs, and John, you know this. You're fired when you hit the ground. Okay, so um, it's it's there's a reason why there's unions creating standards. Not only uh, you know pay wage standards and and and, but we're talking working standards. We're talking working conditions, and that's what we're fighting for. We're fighting for everybody to have a fair shot. And you see, you know, it, sometimes it's not pretty. But at the end of the day, um, the difference between a union job, you could, I'll tell you what, you want to you you um, find out the difference? Talk to Sam Pond. Talk to Jerry Lee Hockey. They'll tell you the difference between the injured workers that walk in and the job conditions when it's a non-union situation. It's unbelievable. And so John's, John's story, you know, it, 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 you know, it hits hard, man. It's, it's, people got to understand that. Yeah, it's difficult. And again, one of the benefits of this conversation we have here, and I love the fact that you keep the topics moving so we don't bore anybody to death. So we keep them interested and we touch on politics, food, sports, everything, you name it. Okay? Uh, But we do need to spend a little bit of time because people don't understand the difference. And they say, well, how come it costs so much more money to pay you? Well, our guys pay not only a decent wage and benefit, but they pay for insurances. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, there's a good government approach to this, too, you know, as well as just taking care of the people. It's just, you know, that's what all the wars have been fought for over the years, you know. You hear me listen, when people say about fossil fuels, you know, my argument is I've been making time after time. Listen, I get that the world's changing. So do our friends at the oil makers. So do our friends at the UA. Okay? They understand that fossil fuels are changing, but it's not changing tomorrow. And what happens is by cutting it right now, because people like AOC out of New York, who happens to be a congresswoman who, you know, basically screams green energy all the time without a whole lot of understanding about green energy. Okay. Uh, Have to understand that there's still going to be gas. There's still going to be fossil fuels. It's only going to come to India and it's only going to come to China. And eventually, the contamination and pollution is a hundred times worse over there than it is here. And eventually, it's going to get in the air, and it's going to make its way around here. So what we're saying is, hey, look, let's do change respectively. Let's keep this industry safe. Let's modernize these facilities, these refineries, where we can control you know, the output as well as the safety and the environmental ends to it. So there are little t- points that, but there aren't, they're not sexy, they're not important. You know, but they are important. They're John, important they are. And, and, you know, John Bland's been on the show, and we've, we, we've done the Boilermakers many times, and they're saying the same thing. You're talking about people that care about the environment as much as anybody, okay? And, the, and these individuals, but also, you, when you, 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 and so we're all fans of, of, of the environment. How, obviously, we, we, we have future generations that are relying on us to make sure they got something. Well, you know, 
when it's their turn. But at the end of the day, like I always say, you can't throw the, uh, the baby out with the bathwater. You use fossil fuels for 5,000 products, okay? Anybody who's, who, who's, who's talking about just getting rid of fossil fuels, laying off thousands, de- destroying our economy, and doing all those things, and thinking that you can just do it with windmills, so just look what happened to Texas a couple months ago, and they'll see that, that but like John said, it ain't going to happen overnight. One more thing, though, John, on the, on the non-union, you know, you're, these discussions are, are, are um, you know, but they're important. They educate the public. You know, one, there's a misnomer uh, in regards to, um, you know, the wages that union members make. Yeah, we make more uh, than non-union, obviously. But let's just, uh, you know, for, 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 because our, our training and all the other things that are important. But let's, let's talk about when some, when two contractors bid a job. One of them's a union contractor. The other one is a non-union contractor. For a theory, just for a theory, uh, there's a $100,000 bid uh, that the union contractor makes, okay? The, uh, it, he's paying his members, or, you know, his workers more wages. On the other hand, the non-union contractor may be paying, you know, a minimum wage and all that, but he's not bidding $40,000. He's bidding 99000 winning the bid, and then pocketing the money. So it's, it's you know, people got to understand it's not just about the work wages. It's also, uh, and, and the skills and all the, uh, you know, and, and the safety and all those things. It's about greed. It's about greed. Oh. And it, 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 Go ahead, John. It, it, listen, I, I, I can give you 100 examples of people who were raised in a union tent and then eventually stepped aside from us went out and tried to make the money that their dads made over 60 years in 60 months. Right. So it happens all the time. And again, you're right, and we notice it. There's people out there. If you ask some of the GCs and a lot of their numbers, okay, if you say to hypothetically, we have big, big, you know, guys who take offs in offices, and you go in there, especially, let's keep it in the U.A., you go into any of these big companies, the Chadwicks, the Elliott Lewis's, they have modern computer systems. They have engineers and auditing teams and you name it. They have architectural guys. They take, they take a lot of time, you know, to make sure they don't miss anything when they bid a job. And then they have people that cross checks to make sure the taxes are being paid and all the benefits are being paid. And if you ask this guy honestly, he's got two or three people. When these two guys bid, and one guy bids 101000 and the other guy's bid is $99,000, you are pretty sure that the cost of that job with a little bit of profit margin, you know, and a little overhead, is $100,000. So what they do, it's amazing that our two guys who do the hard work will bid it at, you know, 99 and 100 and then the two other guys will come in at 90 They don't work them numbers up. They just say, okay, we know we'll make a boatload of money if the unions that can get, you know, and 90 is just enough to make... A guy think about doing it differently, right? You know, right. So that's what we that's what we deal with, and, but that's fine because then it's our job you know, to make sure people know the difference, and that's where the work product, you know, that's where the safety numbers, that's where you know being able to handle, you know, proving that we're vaccinated, proving that we we handle the pandemic well, all that stuff. You know, that's the benefit that you have now with a union. That's you know, a union that, uh, John. That's why I'll never understand it because i don't understand how the 
individual, the decision maker, making the decision can look at that deal where all the boxes are checked on the union side and not go union on the job for, in this example, 10 grand. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I can't figure it out. Yeah, well, there's there's not much to think about there anymore because, you know, the, the old days where, you know, there were, there were 20 people bidding it, you know, and um, yeah, people, you know, bid their own jobs. You don't have 20 people bidding jobs anymore. And the, the, the non-union competition isn't what it used to be. Again, you know, it's, it's people that, you know, use a whole different environment. You know, you used to be able to go out. When we organized a shop, you used to be able to get a whole shop. You used to be able to get 30, 40 people. You go out and, you know, you go to organize a shop, you get three people out of their 30. The uh, yeah, people I, there, it's all right, temporary employees. Right, right. And that's the thing. That, that, that's the thing. I mean, you know, when you, you, you mentioned... When you talk about union employees, somebody gets sick on a job, a, a job or, or, or you can call the union hall and get somebody who's just as qualified and they'll be there at 6.30 in the morning. Job starts at 7, individual uh, calls in at 5, I, I'm, I'm sick, I, you know, whatever the situation is. Call the union hall, you got the guy, replace them like, you know, nothing, uh, w- w- without interrupting anything. So right, let me you get can't to do that on a, a non-union job. Right, it's the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. We'll get to a commercial break. We'll continue with John back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Iron Workers Local 405, and Steam Fitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. And back here on the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Don't forget to go to allstarlaborclassic.com. Get all the details for the game tomorrow. Jay. John, um, we are we got about eight minutes left, and uh, we're going to get into the you, you know your take on the mayor's budget proposal. But before we do, we know you wanted to say something uh, about the memory of, of developer Ron Rubin, um, if you would. Yeah, there were, there were a couple losses, but Ron Rubin was super significant in uh, creating an environment for building trades for craftspeople to work. He was a union-friendly owner and developer. Uh, I mean, we had great relationships. I know Pat Gillespie and him were, Pat introduced me to him. I always remember, you know, everybody has a good story. I remember one day it was a snow day, probably about nine inches the day before. And Ron Rubin calls myself, Pat Hiding and Pat Gillespie. And it was right when they were doing a construction at a restaurant on Walnut Street called the Strike Bass. It's a beautiful building. And it was a big job. And I'll never forget Ron walking us down. And what I always remembered about it was that Ron only had a scarf on and boots, no jacket. It was slushy, still windy, uh, wintry out. And we're walking down Walnut Street, and he's pointing to all the vacant buildings. And he's telling me, you guys got to hang with us, and you got to stay involved. He said, I'm going to tell you. He said, and we, you got to do your job because he said, you know, a union versus non-union fight doesn't help develop the street. He said, just make sure your people are competitive. And then he started talking about where he thought there would be, you know, market rate housing and what neighborhoods, affordable housing, and then but how we could, you know, use Center City. And this was early rundown. And how we could do things along them lines, you know, and how we could put restaurants there and how we could, you know, you know really start to liven up, you know, the neighborhoods. And can I tell you, 
almost everything he talked about on that hour in the snow without a jacket on came true. So the man actually knew his business, and he was a good guy, and I'm sorry to see him go. And then, you know, earlier last week, the legendary Dick Sprague, who I had, you know, some uh, uh, not only per- business relationship with, but personal relationship with, and somebody said to me the other day, well, we heard Dick was mad at you. I said, you weren't Dick's friend until he was mad at you. I mean, it was just common with Dick to, you know, get upset with you because he was such a perfectionist all the way up. And let me tell you, his body wasn't moving, you know, as quick as he used to, but his mind was. He was sharp as could be. And, I mean, some of the things that I've been going through, you know, he he was not afraid of anyone. You know, he believed once you were in a courtroom, everybody was an equal, and whoever knew the law was going to win. And, you know, it's, uh, sorry to see him go. He's another Philly legend. He lived, he worked, lived, and played, you know, around Rindhouse Square most of the day. Then he had his little his little house out there, which was, you know, a big farm. And he used to invite tons of people over. I was lucky enough to be out there three or four times where he would, he would really have, like, five or six different people. And you would be talking about the city, talking about law, talking about everything. So and I'm just happy to have not only knew both, you know, but to have learned from both and to actually call both a friend. And then someone I didn't know as much who just also passed was Doreen Davis. She worked at Montgomery Burkhack and she was at the NRB. And I was like, I had a couple of cases early on when I was, you know, all over the place organizing and picking in and all handbelling. And boy, she, she was a tough cookie too, you know, and, and I noticed that she passed. I hadn't bumped into her for quite a few years, but the one thing I knew about her, was that much like, again, you talk about the competition, not being there. The old days, no matter who she represented, she was always honorable, fair, and pleasant to do business with as it pertained to me. But, you know, Ron Rubin, special type of guy, you know, Dick Sprague, legendary, you know, and and, and uh, Amos Davis was just another, you know, part of that talented group of people. And, you know, we talked about, spent a little bit of time on, uh, you know, John Elliott a few weeks ago. They're just, they're just people that you can't replace. And you Absolutely. just hope that they put enough people around in their industries to, to move forward. Thoughts and prayers for them and their families. Um, John, we got a couple minutes left, three minutes actually, so uh, not much time to talk about the, the, the mayor's budget. But if you, you, if you want to uh, throw something out there, that would be great. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's optimistic. That's what people see. You know, you got about $600 million from that corona, corona relief fund. I mean, things like street cleaning – and putting people back in school chairs and keeping school safe. And I mean, they're good things. And, and that's what people want to do. You know, also to talk about cutting taxes, putting it back at the avenues where, uh, you know, it was prior to all this and just create a little momentum. And again, you know, a little optimism. Well, I mean, and, and, and obviously the city needs that more than anything uh, right now. We got um, – about a, what do we got, Joe? A minute or two minutes? Uh, you got ninety seconds, Jada. All right. Well, we could talk a little sports. I know next week we're going to be talking about the draft, right? <clears throat> so, I mean, so the draft is the twenty ninth. Yeah. So next yeah, week we're going to talk. Last, last week I said I told you, you know, yeah, talking about the Phillies. You know, I'm a little concerned from center field down to the pitching, but yeah. you know, I think divisions. You know, I thought the division was going to be the best division in baseball. I'm not sure that it's still early. You know, and you know. Everybody's an injury away. You got Bryce Harbor hurt his back. They don't know how long he's going to be out. You, got to, you want the bomb kid to start to, you know, hit the ball real hard again. Uh, it's early yet. 
But uh, I think that a know, long it's, season, it's, Doc. It's a it'll, long it'll season, still, baby. <laughs> it'll, still, it'll still be fun watching baseball. No doubt. You know? No doubt. And, and the good thing about baseball is you don't need to have the sound on. You just come back and forth. You know, if you're you're doing something, you're you know you're cooking dinner or coming back or, or on a radio show, you just or on a radio or, show or doing oh. the John Doherty yeah, hour. I'm sitting here watching. Sitting here watching the game on the yard. Get rid of everybody, Krause, The Flyers have to get rid of everybody. I know. Not it. The come on, it's time. You know, Giroux and Voracek and guys like that. Come on, let's. We got to do something. I was surprised that you know I thought that there were a couple first and second round draft picks out there. I know. You know, you got some young kids, Farabee and Morgan Frost, and all them guys. You know, they're you know, just let them play. Let's 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 get some. We got to get back in the playoffs. I'm tired of not watching. I love playoff hockey. Yeah, no, it is the best. There's no doubt about that. And hey, listen, you've got one thing on that organization that you must keep, and that's your netminder. But he's got to have a defense in front of him. And I think you're right. Time to blow it all up. Um, it's been a bad run. Uh, the second, ha- what has been the second half of the season, no doubt about it. I mean, the they lost to some bad teams. Yeah, the Buffalo loss was terrible. You're yeah, three, that was two, terrible and loss. And you lose 5-3, you know? Hey, again, I can't tell you guys how much it means to all of us to have you probably be in the two loudest voices for the All-Star Labor Classic. We're here. It's going to go off. Both of you know that there was a lot of discussion about and that you should see the kids play. You, you know, we have a – I know Jimmy King got – you know, his, uh, we know his mom, you know, Aunt Kelly King and, and his dad. He's playing in the All-Star Game tomorrow. Uh, there's a ton of people from the region. You know, if you, from your, you're in the Ridley neighborhood or anywhere around, make sure you show up. A lot of the Ridley players are playing on both, in both games. Come on, guys, show out tomorrow, and thank you for everything. Great awesome stuff. And it's part of the John Doherty Hour. You can go to allstarlaborclassic.com. Click on the link. You'll be able to watch the game. As we stream it across the Philly Voice platform, you'll be able to see it live. The girls' game tips off at 12.15. The boys' game will follow at 2.30. Two great hours of basketball as the John Doherty Hour comes to a close here on a Saturday night. That's going to do it for the Labor Show on this Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. On behalf of John Doherty, of course. On behalf of J-Doc. I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody.